I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible! Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, week seven, NFL recap and our Monday night Football preview, Bears and Patriots to wrap up week seven. We will also get to Brandon Anderson's hot read for week eight, just after midnight on the East Coast. I mentioned his name, Brandon Anderson. Also, Jill Gallant joined me, Brendan Glasheem. We are your usual crew for the recap show. Thanks for joining us. As always, we're off and running. We've we've, we've kind of grown here, uh, symmetry and chemistry, all those good, you know, uniting words. And here we are. But I don't really feel like the football is all that unifying these days. I mean, it was a tough week, I think, for betters across the board. But it's hard to, like, get around and behind this product we've watched here these first uh, seven weeks or so. It's been, it's been t- some tough games to watch, people. But uh, we're going to dive into all the games, recap them all, a little discussion on each game. Some games will have more discussion than others, and then we'll get into the hot read. I said the, well, the Monday Night Football preview and then the hot read to wrap up the show. So we're going to – do a bigger picture topic after these three games. I think you'll get the sense of what we're talking about, but Brandon, let's dive right in. Tampa Bay is an absolute mess offensively. They lose 21 to three. Carolina was the biggest underdog of the year uh, across all NFL games this season. If you capitalized on that, good for you. Carolina 21, three, they cover the spread. Is this fixable in Tampa? What's up? Man, I, I told people to bet on a box shutout, and that is not what I meant when I said that. So, boy, <laughs> I got this one way off. Tampa Bay could barely even move the ball, no run game, all these like little quick, short, nothing passes. They're giving up yards to Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and PJ Walker. It It's bad. It's really bad. Like, look, it shouldn't have been this bad. They get a bomb to Mike Evans, easy touchdown, first drive of the game, goes off his mm-hmm. hands, and – it does feel a little bit to me more like just one of those days than a the sky is falling, the goat is dead, long live the king sort of day. I just feel like things kind of spiraled away toward the end of the game. But, you know, you lost to what I thought was the worst team in football. It's it's pretty ugly. They're saying on TV today, is this the worst you know low point for Tom Brady's Tampa Bay tenure? I think it might be the worst loss of Tom Brady's career. He is now... As a 12 or more point favorite, which he was today, he's now 44 and four straight up. And the losses were by two, three, and three. He lost 21 to three today. So first time losing four or five games since 2002. It's, uh, it's ugly. And we get to see him again four days from now. Jill, um, we were talking about it before we started recording. 11 drives for the Bucks offense, six punts, no touchdowns, three points. What do you think? 
I think you guys are crazy if you think that the worst loss was today. The worst loss was the Super Bowl against the Giants in an undefeated season <laughs> as like 14-point favorites. What are we talking about here? Okay, sorry. I'm off topic here, but that just that we answer just blew that. my mind. Right, well, I'm going to bring it up, and it's going to be <laughs> front and center. I, I have that in my notes. I do think that is the one bigger loss. I think the biggest loss okay. of the regular season today. <laughs> okay. Now, an alarming thing here, even just as a better – Bucks have lost five games in a row against the spread now. And they've got some teams coming up here that, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about some futures here in a second here, but I mean, they've got the Ravens coming up, the Rams, the now formidable Seahawks, you know, coming up here. And then just before they go into their bye. Um, and I mean, I kind of feel stupid to doubt the Bucks. I mean, they're still leading the division at three and four, uh, but that Mike Evans pass, man, uh, just in the first, the start of the game that really felt like a momentum shift and they just couldn't get anything going for the rest of the game I mean you would look at the stat line other side of the touchdowns and you'd think wow Brady threw it 49 times they actually looked kind of good in some spots but if you were watching the game not just looking at the box score that offense looked broken um so we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bucks here in a second but I mean not really much to take away from that other than just it was not his day yeah, stay tuned. There's an actionable angle on what we'll get to. Let's go to Packers Commanders, another team. You'll get the trend here, folks. Another team that has expectations because of the quarterback and what they have going on there with the coach, who we think has promised running game, but you lose Devontae Adams, and it's clearly having an impact on this offense. Green Bay loses outright in Washington, 23-21. So Washington covers plus four and a half. Brandon, how do you speak on this game from a betting perspective? What comes to mind? Yeah, I think the surprise here is how not surprising the result was. We kind of saw this sort of script coming with Washington. You run the ball on Green Bay. They had 166 yards rushing. Green Bay can't run the ball. That was supposed to be the thing. Mm -hmm. You're going to get rid of Devontae Adams because we're going to run the ball and we're going to defend. Green Bay can't run the ball. Green Bay cannot defend. So this, honestly, they lost by two. This was not that close. Washington threw a pick six, missed a field goal, one of four in the red zone, and otherwise still dominated the overall points, you know, like 132 yards more than the Packers. They're in 25 extra plays. Washington, a team that is not good at all, dominated Green Bay. So I'm a lot more worried about Green Bay than Tampa. Both are three and four, but I don't see a way forward for the Packers. Like you look on the field, Washington is the best playmakers. Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel are better than anything Green Bay has to offer offensively right now, and that is pretty rough. So I am officially worried about the Packers. Okay. What do you think, Jill, as far as what the – I mean, hey, good for you, by the way. You hit on Washington plus four and a half, the best bets episode from last week, and it kind of played into your analysis on the pick. Yeah, I mean, the, the Packers' offense has just been – Horrible. I mean, 18.3 points per game. That's the worst since 2006. Uh, they went 0 for 6 on third downs. That's the first time that a Packers offense has done that since 1999. So uh, there's a little bit of an issue here. And this is also the first time that they've lost three in a row in the Matt LaFleur era. Like, I think that's the one thing that's actually kind of surprising if you think about how much success they've had regular season-wise. Um, but three straight games as a fave, uh, combined 15 points as a favorite, and they were playing against like Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke led teams. Like, <laughs> like this is not good, you know. And I even said, like, we said we did the recap pod right after the Jets game. And I was like, this team's done. Like, I would not trust them to win, like uh to go far into the playoffs. I think it's just a little bit more of what we're seeing here. But uh, you know, uh, I saw some people, uh, the Packers fans, uh, they're like, you know, 
Last time that uh, Rogers lost at FedEx Field, you know, he just said, uh, relax, we're going to run the table. And they went on to win six in a row. And it's like, yeah, th- this is not the same team, not even close to the same team from a roster standpoint. Um, they might be able to go six and four the rest of the way and make the playoffs, but I don't see it. Kansas- yeah, I did. Uh, I, I did the relax thing after week one, and I actually bought a Packers Super Bowl ticket back then. And part of the reason was this three-game stretch that just finished. I said, we're going to get those games, easy games, Giants, Jets, Washington, and they'll be coasting into the bye sitting pretty. You, Jill, you said three, first three-game losing streak for LaFleur. This is the first two-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. They only lost three games the entire season, all the other seasons under LaFleur, if I remember right. So this is a sky-is-falling spot for them, and it is not an R-E-L-A-X spot. Yeah, look, this part of the schedule was built as a shield for Matt LaFleur to hide what is now starting to to break down this shield, which is he racks up wins in that division against the Lions and the Bears, and it covers up a lot of stuff, but they tend to get exposed against good teams historically. Now they're getting exposed against bad teams because it feels as if, yeah, he needs some he needs more pieces to work with. He needs more high-end talent. Kansas City and San Francisco had the biggest hype of the day, biggest hype of the week coming in because a Super Bowl rematch from a few years ago. Um, of course, McCaffrey being in, in San Francisco, big news of the week in terms of the, uh, the trade market. But um, th- this is a loss I guess you can compartmentalize with San Francisco and be like, okay, you lost to a good team. Kansas City off a loss at home, small favorite. I think folks are in on San Francisco based on the money, but Brandon in this game, I think Kansas city, it's another demonstration of Tyree Koo. I I think, I think we're all right without this guy. Yeah. I mean, the chiefs were dropped 44 points on this defense that we've thought was maybe the best defense in the NFL. Now they're missing guys. And that's the thing we've been saying for a couple of weeks now. And we saw that play out today is that the 49ers are not going to be able right now to win with just defense and Jimmy do enough things the Chiefs scored 30 in the second half. They averaged nine yards of play for the entire game. And that is a Chiefs thing they do sometimes, but not against the best defense in the league. And like you said, without Tyreek Hill. So I thought this was especially about the Chiefs, but it it showed us just how much those Niners injuries are adding up on the defense, especially Chiefs average for the game over a half EPA per play. That means every time the Chiefs ran two plays, they gained a point on the 49ers for the entire game. So that was the big takeaway for me. The other one is this. On one side, Pat Mahomes. On the other side, Jimmy Garoppolo reminded us why you can't get too excited about the Niners because you see the stats. 300 yards, two touchdowns, seems fine. But he had interception in the end zone. You can't do that and give away points against the Chiefs. And he had one of those awful safeties where he just had no idea about the guy coming from his backside and you just you can't take this team seriously to go on a big run. I learned my lesson last year with our 49ers futures. I won't do it again. Joe, what do you think from this game, Kansas City and San Francisco? And then we'll lead into our bigger conversation about those three games. Yeah, I, I think I'm not going to penalize San Francisco as much uh, for this loss in comparison to losing to like a Panthers team or uh, or uh, a Commanders team. But I mean, I think Brandon hit it on the head about that INT by Garoppolo because that – INT at the end of the first half, like that was pretty much a momentum changer because Casey got the ball right off the second half 
and they were set to score and you can't really trade field goals or turn it over in the end zone. If you want to beat a team like Kansas city from an offensive standpoint, because I mean, even in the second half they showed, they were like, it was like third and 12. And then they complete this long bomb to Marcus Belden scaling out of nowhere. And, and uh, that just pretty much uh, allowed another touchdown to come right through. Um, but yeah, I think Jimmy is still kind of the weak point on this team. Uh, and I don't think it is really a shock to see them lose like this. I think this isn't the team that we're going to be thinking of, uh, going into January uh, as it stands right now. And uh, when we talk about their Super Bowl odds, I think that'll show why. Okay, so we mentioned San Fran loss straight up. Washington, uh, pardon me, Green Bay lost to Washington. And then Carolina thumps Tampa Bay. So the three teams that were favored, the three favorites to come out of the conference, Tampa, Los Angeles, who was on the bye, and Green Bay, respectively, one, two, and three are all in, in, in disarray right now. Tampa's three and four. Niners are three and four. They were right there with the Rams to win the division anyway. So they were up there in those odds as well. And we didn't really know who the quarterback was yet, blah, blah, blah. So that's why it was a little murky preseason. So point being, how do we look at the conference now? I know we, we got Philadelphia for sure, but Brandon, and let's, we, we, we move this along. How do you make this actionable now? When you look at the conference, Philly stands out. But then after that, it's like, what, what, what do I do here? So knowing all that with these teams – what are your suggestions as, as far as how to bet, maybe what not to bet? Yeah, so I, uh, I'm not betting futures on any of the four teams you just talked about right now. The Bucs, the Packers, the Niners, the Rams. That was our final four in the NFC last year. I'm not saying that they can't get there again. I am saying that right now I'm not going to bet the futures because they're still getting a little respect from the Bucs. Even as they reopen tonight, the prices are down. The problem is, the whole conference sucks outside of apparently the <laughs> NFC East. So it's not like, oh, the Bucs are bad now, so knock their odds down. Well, so are all the other teams we thought were going to be good. So you can't really knock all of their odds down. Somebody has to still have odds there. So I don't think I can do futures here. I might eventually look to see about a Niners division odd. Uh, the Bucs actually saw their division odds increase today because they're still tied for the lead and the Falcons lost but I certainly would not take that action. I'm seeing minus 270 at FanDuel. That's 73%. There's no way that team is 73% to win the division. So I don't mind betting maybe Tampa or San Fran in these upcoming weeks. I will look to play them in the right spot. I definitely don't want futures on any of those four teams. Jill, are you, are you in on anything with either of those teams? Um, not with the Bucks. And again, the price shift that we saw, the pregame, Bucks are 14 to one to win the Super Bowl. It only moves to 16 off of that loss because as you just illustrated, they still pretty much have a straight line path to win that division. And we just talked about those three games, the Ravens, Seahawks, and the Rams. Um, it would not be shocking to watch the Bucs go three and zero on those games and then go into the bye. It would not, nobody would be like, Whoa, that wasn't what I planned to see happen. And then, you know, they're sitting there pretty at six and four in the division going into the bye. So again, not really the best price right now on the Bucs. I do think that the 49ers, it's telling that their odds didn't move at all. Despite this loss, they were 14 to one before the game and they were 14 to one after the game. So I think books are still showing that they have that strength and that, you know, as McCaffrey gets more accustomed to this uh, defense or offense rather, and that more guys are starting to come back, um, especially with some of their guy, uh, teams that they have on the schedule. Uh, I think they're still going to be in a good position to win that division. But uh, some of these prices though, it, it makes sense. Like right now, like the Packers, are plus 490 to win that division. I don't think I've seen their odds above plus 200 in years, you know, to win the NFC North. And then, uh, 
you know, the Niners sitting at plus 130 to win the NFC West. I'm not really ready to jump on that, but I do feel like if they win uh, this upcoming week uh, and then end up playing the Rams again and then beating them again, uh, that's pretty much going to seal that division, in my opinion. So if you feel like the Niners are going to take the division, maybe now is the best time to grab it at plus 130. Okay, there's your NFC landscape. And again, uh, the odds on this podcast are brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. So just because you see these teams falling apart, yeah, let's go bet them now. Well, maybe wait a second because the market needs to react better. Like, look at Tampa. Like, Tampa could lose Thursday for crying out loud to Baltimore again. And then you get a better number. Like, just using an example. So, good stuff, fellas. That's good. I think it's it's definitely worth discussing with these teams being as good as they were last year and in previous years, especially Tampa and Green Bay, Brandon. Joe, you're, you, you won't have to say it because you got your Cowboys uh, sweater on today, but I'll do it for you. I think outside of Philadelphia, look, the Eagles are number one. I think the Cowboys are the second best team in the NFC right now. It's not the Bucs yes. or the Niners or all the teams we're talking about. It's a low bar. It's a low defense bar. is really good. Dak Prescott is back and going to shake off the rust. If I was betting an NFC future, that's the one I'd play right now. Dallas right now, plus 1,700 to win the Super Bowl. The NFC odds are only, I think, at plus 600. So that dropped. It was 700 before the day. They were the fifth NFC favorite. They're now second favorite in the NFC, but only dropped to 600. I can't get behind 600 to win the NFC versus 1700 in the Super Bowl. They probably wouldn't be the favorite, but not that no. much of an underdog. So I think Dallas plus 1700, they're going to play the Bears next week and then go into the bye week and get Dak even healthier. This defense is legit and as good as just about anybody's right now. So I think your Cowboys, Shell, in a wide open NFC, they keep playing this well and the trajectory goes up from here. I like them at plus 1700. This might be a good time for it. It's like a backhanded compliment. It's like, as long as there's no other competition, Cowboys are wide open to win the <laughs> NFC. That's good. That's very good. So, Brandon, he's not thanking you now, I guess, after no, all. No, thank you. I do appreciate that. I do always <laughs> take any support I can. All right, let's zip through the rest of these games because let's be honest, they, they weren't really great. I think we've, we've kind of highlighted now that the league is having a down year, but uh, a, a lot of passing and there have been a lot of drops. I've got a number on that we can get to later on, but – you know, hey, give Cincinnati credit, okay? They come out, Atlanta, undefeated against the spread. That was well-documented coming in. Everyone's like, oh, we got to take the Falcons, right? They'll be 7-0. and So that became very public knowledge, I think, this week. And a lot of folks got in on Atlanta too late. They don't cover for the first time this year, Brandon. 35-17, Cincinnati got off to a really hot start in this game. They did. 24 of their first 29 plays were passing plays. This is the thing, Zach Taylor. Do the passing plays early downs, and what, what happens on those plays? That's four drives. They scored 28 points. They scored touchdowns right off the bat and just ran up the score, and it was done immediately because the Falcons passed the ball like once a quarter, so you're not coming back from 28 right off the bat. This is the thing to do, Zach Taylor. We said this after the Jets game when the Bengals played the Jets. Oh, hey, look, the Bengals remembered who they are. Well, we'll see if it holds up other games. But this is how good the team can be because the defense is good and the passing game is good if they actually do the passing game. So this was a blowout. This was just, I know 35-17, it wasn't even that close. 500 plus yards for the Bengals, barely 200 for the Falcons. And I bet the Falcons, and this was, it was awful. The Bengals just out-talented them. And they always do because they're very talented. But Zach Taylor actually had a game plan today. And uh, we just talked about Dallas to me. And we had a, I had a Twitter discussion with folks just right before we came on here. Who's the best team in the NFL outside of the big three bills, chiefs, 
and uh, Eagles. To me, it's either the Bengals or the Cowboys. I think the Bengals are the better team. We saw those teams play each other earlier in the year. It didn't go that way. But I think the Bengals, the way they're playing with their defense, the way they adjust at halftime, and if they actually do the thing they did today and pass the ball, I think the Bengals actually might be even better than they were on last year's Super Bowl run. And they're a team I'm looking to, to buy in on now. They really show who they are today at their best. Plus 2,100 to win the Super Bowl right now on FanDuel Sportsbook. They're right behind those Dallas Cowboys, but you can understand the drop-off because of the conference they play in. they got to go up against Buffalo and Kansas City in all likelihood to get back to the Super Bowl. Jill, Giants, Jaguars. All the Sharps are on the Jaguars this week. Yes, they I mean, were. it just looked... It looked promising. It was one of our best bets from uh, last Thursday's episode. It's like, okay, Jacksonville's coming out strong here. Giants, you're a cute story. But what the hell? I mean. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Jags are like another, we'll get to another team that's like this too. Like they just, maybe it's that warm weather. I don't know what it is, but like they get in their own way. And uh, the Giants, they're hot. Giants are hot. It, it's the luck rankings, the man. Luck rank. uh, yep. Yeah, they continue their run of luck. They are six and one. Uh, Nick Given and our data team here at Action Network, they do a, a luck rankings every week, and it's always a, a great read just to see kind of how teams, how they got to where they are. Maybe there's some trends that we could buy off of that. But uh, honestly, the Jags just 19 consecutive losses now against the NFC since 20 and 12, uh, four and 40 against the NFC like that just blows my mind when I think about that of how many games we have seen in that stretch um but uh really I want to say today was luck but really in the fourth quarter guys like Saquon and Daniel Jones uh they just took over like you don't really see a running back and quarterback both have 100 yards rushing in a game like usually that's a Lamar Jackson recipe so uh just I didn't think luck had much to do with that uh but luck is going to be probably running out soon because uh they've got injuries to starters to their left tackle uh, they're starting tight end, they're cornerback one. <laughs> so they're looking at some serious injuries coming up here. So the luck might be running out here soon. Brandon, the Ravens get there 23-20 to defeat the Cleveland Browns, but the Browns cover the spread at plus six and a half coming into this game. So Cleveland didn't look all that impressive the week before, but Lamar Jackson didn't have to throw the ball all that much in this game. He ran the ball 10 times, just shy of 60 yards on the ground, but Lamar only threw 16 passes. He completed nine of the 16. How, how do you look at this game? Like the Ravens just know how to take care of their, their ish uh, and, and close out a game that's close, but not cover. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm very whelmed by the Ravens. I'm, I'm not underwhelmed or overwhelmed. I'm just whelmed by them. They, they got the job done. They got to win, but it sure looked like they were trying to blow their fourth double digit lead of the season. Like we've already seen this over and over but Browns to the rescue. The Browns just can't help but Brownsing. They got third and two, and they're basically in the range to kick the field goal to tie, which, by the way, gets us to 46 and hits the over if you're on that side. And then they get a touchdown, call it back an offensive pass interference, so 10 yards back, then a false start for five more yards. Then, of course, they miss the 60-yard field goal, and that's about it. So tough break if you're on the over, tough break if you had the Browns' money line. 
not really impressive by the Ravens. They only had 254 yards, four yards a game against a Browns defense that has not been good this year. So I'm a little worried about the team. Obviously, I like the Bengals. I'm feeling less great about the Ravens right now. You mentioned they didn't have to pass very much. The Ravens were lighting it up in the air the first few weeks of the season, and it's really fallen off for the last month. So that's something I've got my eye on for sure. Keep an eye on them at the deadline. Let's see if they do something at the <laughs> deadline. Maybe a, a weapon or a receiver. We'll see. We know Green Bay has been rumored to be on Claypool from Pittsburgh. Let's see if see if they go add something for Lamar in that uh, in that offense. All right, frozen pizza time. It's not delivery, and it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. It's very nearly pizza, but not quite. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. You know, we probably could have got to frozen pizzas faster, like every week, but let's go to Pittsburgh and Miami. And and by the way, those that are new to the show, frozen pizzas, like these games are just like, you know, you're scrambling for your dinner. It's Sunday night, late night. You're watching Pittsburgh, Miami up. Need something to eat. Let me just throw this on. Let me just throw this in the oven because what the hell? I need something to do. I need something to eat tonight. And Pittsburgh, Miami kind of, well, promising start. A lot of points. I'm like, whoa, here we go. But Tua wanted to give the game away. Kenny Pickett did give the game away, (laughs) Brandon. I mean, good for the Steelers. They, They cover, but Mike Tomlin, he's back covering as a dog. Yeah, when Ra Ra Tomlin gets another cover here. Somebody got to be all in for everybody to be all in. I really thought they might pull off the win here for Brian Flores, but couldn't quite get over the line. Story of the game, interceptions. The Steelers dropped four interceptions this game. They could have had a short field, had given their offense a chance. Then Kenny Pickett threw three of his own, including two near the end of the game. You know, I I like what I'm seeing from the rookie, but he's a rookie. He's going to make those mistakes. And it felt like the Dolphins were going to run away and hide the first couple drives. Like they went right down the field. They're so fast and they're just running right past them. And then Tomlin in these underdog spots just finds a way to hang around. So, you know, they kept it interesting. No points the second half. So sorry if you're holding on for some over coverage here. But uh, yeah, it was, it was entertaining enough. We got, got a little fun for our Sunday night frozen pizza. Drop rate is super high in the NFL this year. There are there are 10 teams in the NFL this season that have a drop rate of 7% or greater. Last year, there were only three teams through all season that had a 6% drop rate or greater. So it's it's something. It's That's a passing lead that makes sense. All right, let's go to Detroit and Dallas, Jill. What do you got for us here? Cowboys defense, as Brandon alluded to, man, they won this game. Two interceptions and two fumbles on Jared Goff. Uh Dan Campbell now 0-11 and 1 straight up on the road as the Lions coach. But they're 6-5 and five against the spread. Most of that was done from last year when, on their nice little run there. But uh, the Lions now, guys, been without a touchdown since the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter of week four. So I think we can put to rest the, the Lions are this offensive juggernaut narrative, at least for one more week. All right, Brandon, ready? Here we go. C- Hawks, do it with uh, me. Okay. C. Hawks. D. Hawks. Seattle right. Island. Let's go. Go ahead, Island boy. <laughs> go. Do it. Talk about them. Yeah. Seattle 37 23. Took it to the Chargers. They had this from the beginning. They went up 17 nothing and they just they they put it away. They like Geno Smith tried to pee down his leg a couple times. He's got to take those sacks. He had a couple near interceptions, but the Chargers didn't look good in this game. Justin Herbert, numbers not great. Mike Williams left hurt. Keenan Allen was back, but only two catches. J.C. Jackson now, the big free agent we're excited about. He supposedly has a serious injury, and he's not been good anyway. Chargers are 4-2, and two, but uh, I'm a little underwhelmed with them. 
and Seattle Seahawks division leading. Come on out, Seattle Island. Feeling good out here. We're making a lot of Seattle money. And guys, next week, we have the frozen pizza-iest game of week eight. Well, we all would have thought before this season, Giants Seahawks, a huge NFC showdown. We'll be talking about that one, I'm sure. Okay. Hawks right now are minus two and a half at home for that game. And they win again, 37-23. They cover plus four and a half. Houston in Vegas, Jill. Houston was hanging around early, but then it was was kind of a scare with Derek Carr. But Vegas has some explosion that we've seen glimpses of, but they put together a full game here against, uh, against the Texans. I know you would think that their record would be better than two and four. I think that's the one thing where you think of like how good this team is and how good they can look kind of underrated in a way because they're each loss is by a combined 14 points, chiefs, Cardinals, Titans, chargers to out of those four, I guess maybe which one doesn't look like the other. Uh, But again, this game kind of just went to script. I mean, this is the 30th ranked rush defense uh, DVOA. Uh, by the Texans and Josh Jacobs went to town and our own Sean Kerner had uh, his best bet was Josh Jacobs over 17 and a half rush attempts. And he has 20 with three touchdowns. So that pretty much sealed it. And it was good to see the Raiders actually execute in the fourth quarter, because a lot of those losses that I alluded to, that's pretty much the reason why they didn't get those wins. Brandon, once again, the Titans own the Colts in the second meeting of the season. So Titans get a big win. They're now four and two. They're two and zero against Indy, who is the team now just right behind them. Nineteen ten, your final. Titans cover two and a half. Mike Vrabel five and zero now off a bye against the spread. That trend continued today. Yeah, the trend continued, and the first half trend continued. That yes. was my biggest bet of the weekend, and that was easy money. Titans thirteen nothing at the half. Matt Ryan back with yet another interception, multiple interceptions again. Pick six in the first half. Colts don't get anything going in the first half. They don't show up on offense. I guess the defense was all right. They held the the Titans to only six in the first half, but they just didn't get anything going here. The Titans weren't even really that good in this game. Tannehill had 132 yards, left the game. We we got some Malik Willis in here. I was like, oh man, are the Titans about to be four and two with Malik Willis going forward? I was drooling about getting back in on uh, some Jags, even maybe a little bit. I got to tell you, the Titans play the Texans next week. I might just be eyeing just a little bit. What do the Texans division odds look like, guys? I don't believe in this Titans team. They're four and two, but the Colts stink and the division looks very winnable if somebody can just catch up to these mediocre Titans. But in this division, that might be enough. Texans plus 5,000 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's go. Okay. That's really smelly. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but nice hit on the first half. Nice work. And, you know, Jill, next year, if we're here doing this podcast again, this the three of us, I'm very, if Matt Ryan's even in the league anymore, I'm curious if we get any plus money on that guy starting week one. I feel like that those days are over to throw an interception. That is sorry. That was the, to specify the bet, but uh, those days are over. Oh yeah. No, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to see that anymore. I doubt that you'll ever see it in a game in his career. He, uh, he is going the way of Matt rule as, as they say. Since you did invent the, frozen pizza bit for this podcast you have the luxury of discussing denver and the jets good for the jets five and two but just another freaking rock fight with the broncos involved yeah the jets cover and uh when the line flipped when brett Rippon came in you kind of figured that this was the way it was going to go but this game honestly guys not even a frozen pizza like this is just a sad you know one of those like little box lunchables pizzas that you can buy that you eat by yourself on a friday night in the dark like it, it was just sad like it was one of those kind of games it was a lunchable that didn't even have like the cool capri sun or like the butterfinger mm. or the crunch bar you just got that slab of 
crusty bread and water, watery sauce, something that are little circles that kind of look like pepperoni, but you don't even trust that it's meat, you know? And, and then, I mean, just the little sprinkles of just the white cheese. You don't even know if it's mozzarella. It sure smells like pizza. That was their intention. Just eat some. Hell no. Uh, either way, uh, outside of Brett Rippon being a little bit taller, guys, like uh, I didn't really notice a difference in this Broncos offense. It was pretty much just as inept as it was any other week. And uh, just kind of reminded me of a Goodwill hunting quote. You dropped 150 grand on a fucking education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> this excellent analysis of a, there wasn't even much football in there, but it was great. Uh, the quarterback well, I mean, was a taller. No, but I mean, at the end of the day, really, from a betting standpoint, you just got to pour one out for the Brees Hall betters, like especially for offensive rookie of the year, because I mean, he took off for a big blast touchdown right in the first half, looked amazing. And now it's kind of looking like he might be out with a torn ACL. Uh, So the guys uh, behind him that were Damian Pierce, that he was at plus 550 before uh, the game and Kenneth Walker, who blew up in in the Seattle game as well. He was plus 850. Those guys are probably going to launch to one and two in candidacy for offensive rookie of the year. So I'd be taking a look at them. Once again, we are rewarded as football fans to see the Denver Broncos in a standalone game once again in the NFL. They will be playing next Sunday morning in London against the Jaguars. So congratulations. You can watch more Denver Broncos football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, So underdogs and favorites both get six wins against the number today of the 12 games on Sunday. Dogs 61-45-1 against the spread through seven weeks. Brandon had a good note before the pod started. Underdogs of three or more went six and three today. Keep that in mind. Three points or more, that is. Three uh, three points or more. They went six and three today, underdogs. Falcons finally go down, as we discussed. Our Action Network, uh, the Action Network podcast that airs every Thursday, Best Bets, five and four in week seven, finished above 500. Nice work by uh, the guys on Washington. That Tennessee uh, first half was big, so good work there, fellas. 34, 27, and two through the first seven weeks. As a reminder, you can follow along on the Action app by following both of our accounts, the Sunday Six Pack and Action Network NFL Picks. And we bring all that up because we got some stuff to talk about for the rest of week seven. We got the Monday night game plus the hot read. Let's start with Monday night. Patriots home to host the Bears. Patriots are laying seven and a half. Brandon totals at 40 and a half. So Thursday night, last week, we get a bunch of points, 70 plus. The unders at night, unders in prime time. Are we are we going back to that? And we do we need to wait on a key number? I feel like we're not going to get there with the Patriots, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get there, and not when the Patriots are at home, not against the Bears. And so I've got a way around the key number. I do like New England here. I'm going to play the first half because look at New England. Look, look at this game. We talked about the last couple of weeks. Oh, the Patriots are a little overvalued. The way they've been playing some of these teams, they beat up on the Lions. They beat up on the Browns. The score got away late. This game is not the time to fade New England yet because it looks a lot like those games. When Belichick plays a team that is one-dimensional, it's lights out. And the Bears could not be more one-dimensional. Belichick will know. If I know, then Belichick knows. Stack the box, stop the run, dare Justin Fields to beat you because he can't. Because the Bears coaches know he can't, and that's why they don't let him throw. The Bears allow the worst pass pressure in the league. So you stack the box, you get after the quarterback, and let Fields try to beat you downfield. He can't do it. So I'll play the the Patriots. I don't love the seven and a half just in case. Like I, I think probably this just gets away and you get to, you know, turn off the game early and watch something else on Monday night. But I'll just play the first half because the Bears are 0-6 ATS first half this year. This Pat's minus four, by the way, first half. Patriots defense is number two in DVOA in the first half. 
Bears defense is dead last in the first half. Those things do flip below bets up. So I'm going to stay away from the, get, get out here with the back door, get out here with the second half stuff. Just let Belichick do his thing early. Justin Fields is not built to go, go to new England and win a game like this. So I, I like new England to just kind of put this one away and then we coast toward the finish line. Are you okay with four and a half? Yeah, I'll take the four and a half. That's all right. Okay. It's at plus money on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Minus four and a half. New England minus four and a half. First half at plus 100. Jill, how do you assess this game? Touchdown scores? Are you looking New England? Is is, is there you, is there hope for Chicago to score some points in this game? And you're like, okay, maybe I will take a stab at a, at a bear or two to score. Well, I think that's one thing that's really interesting about this game is because we all saw the last two games and we saw what this defense did to, I don't want to call it one dimensional offenses. I think the Browns could do a little bit more, but they pretty much shut that team down. And the same thing for the Lions as well. And this team has even less weapons than those two teams. And it's surprising that the spread is only seven and a half because it feels like you know, a 24 to three win is just that game script. So I think if I was to pick some touchdowns out of this, I think I'm going to lean on that Patriots defense and look at them to score at plus 450. Joe, plus 500 now on Facebook. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I, mean, that, that, I, I looked at that price just before the pod started. So honestly, yeah. I, I, I'll take it at that price. Uh, but Toyquan Thornton, the new toy uh, instead of Tyquan Thornton, I, I think right now at plus 270, looking really good. Uh, and it looks like somebody that could be a game breaker on the offense outside of Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, so I think they might lean on him a little bit as well. I think I'd sprinkle on him, but I think the Patriots defensive play, I think that's the one I'd be considering the most. Okay. I was just, I was, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I'm like, I, every time we've done this and brought up your angles on the touchdown scores, seeing a defense that high up that caught my attention too. So Patriots defense in the top, Yeah, they're usually, but they're usually like plus 700 every week. Like these defenses, the way that they usually average out every week, it's probably like a plus 550 to plus 700. When you're seeing a home favorite at plus 450, you know that they're facing a really bad offense and the one that they could capitalize on. Either of you have thoughts on the total. Is it about right? Could you see New England really put me? Because New England historically, when they get a team, like you, Brandon, I think you nailed it. Yeah. When it's a one-dimensional team they face, Belichick could, they could put up a bunch and really separate in this game. Right, and that's that, to me, that's why I kind of stayed away from the total, just because in, the, in these sort of games, we see sometimes where the Patriots themselves go over the total. Like they just start running the ball and suddenly it's 41 to three and it just got right. away. So I think you want to play a total if you like what we're saying about the one dimensional thing, I think you just do Chicago under. I think if you agree that the yeah, Patriots are going to shut total. it down, leave the Pats out of it and just fade the bears and take that under. If you want to do a total. I like it. I like it. Good angle. All right. Very good. Before we wrap up the show, uh, it's time now to look ahead to NFL week eight and let's kick off the hot read. Hot rock. Blue 17. Oh, nice right. Ice cream. Jose. So in the segment here, uh, the guys, typically Brandon, if Jill's got a thought, he'll jump in. But Brandon will assess uh, a matchup that he likes uh, going into the game or going into the uh, into the week. But it's more so the analysis of the number, the spot before anything moves based on what happens uh, here as the week goes on. It's a shift because of an injury, the trade deadline's approaching. We did say that, by the way, talking about Carolina, when they <laughs> moved McCaffrey. Get in if you wanted to get a number on the uh, on the on the box, but if, I hope you didn't. Um, point being is, just be aware of that stuff. That's why we do this now, so you get a better number. What do you have for us this week in week eight? 
Yeah, you mentioned McCaffrey. I'm going to go back to that one. So we brought up actually in relation to this game, I will take the Falcons still against no, the you're Panthers. Right. I apologize. You're that's, right. You mentioned this game. Okay, go ahead. That's what it, that's what it was in reference to. So I just I want to double down on it because I want you to know if you're the listener, if you didn't bet this yet, or if you did, and you want to add to it, I'm with you. I am still on Falcons next week minus six against the Panthers. I still think this is on the wrong side of the key number. Look, the the line basically didn't move today. And that is telling the Panthers blow out the Buccaneers. The Falcons get demolished by the Bengals and the books are like, yeah, let's leave the line pretty much alone. Go ahead. Bring your Panthers money over in here. I'm not buying it. I'll take the Falcons. I think this line is going to rise. Good chance it gets to seven or beyond. If, if so, Atlanta got out talented by the Bengals. Guess who is not going to out talent them? The Panthers and BJ Walker and Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. Not exactly Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow out there. And plus, there's a couple of numbers here in our favor. After today's results, mm-hmm. teams that are facing an opponent that just covered a spread by 26 or more. So like a blowout cover, those teams like Atlanta is here, 61% ATS the following week. So basically, that's telling us if you had a huge blowout cover like the Panthers just did, you're getting a little overvalued. And then another one, a little bit easier here. If you just lost by 17 or more, like Atlanta, and you're facing a team that just won by 17 or more, again, the line has value, and you are covering 61% of the time the following week. So it's a good spot for the Falcons here. I actually like it more than I did before today. I don't like it less. I like it more. Give me the Falcons. And I trust this team. They're going to run the ball. They're going to take care of business. And this was, to me, not a story about the Panthers today. This is a story about the Bucs, and I think the Panthers got their exciting win. Now they go back on the road. Atlanta's tied for the division. By the time they play here, if the Bucs don't win Thursday night, Atlanta can take the division lead here. I guess, actually, the Panthers could take the division lead as well. So, yeah, football is weird this year, guys. But I like the Falcons. Give me the minus six if you can get it still. Yeah, that look-ahead line, that was the spot Thursday night because that's when the McCaffrey trade happened late Thursday night after – Actually, the fourth quarter of that game between Arizona and New yeah. Orleans. But yeah. Well, much- that's a, Don't forget, too, the, the trade deadline, I believe, is right after the games. But when, there's been rumors. DJ Moore, there's been rumors about Brian Burns. There could be more Panthers guys on the move here still. So that's another way the line can move toward our favor. Yep. Good stuff. Yep. I and mean, I'm, I'm proud of us. We mentioned that Thursday. Like, get on this now. Guys can be moved. And what do you know? Mm-hmm. They... They already moved McCaffrey and they didn't waste yeah. any time on that. So yeah. Brandon, can I give you a, can I give you a warm read? I got one oh, more sure. for you. It's a not warm- quite a hot read. Cause you're going to have to, I want to get this out to you because this is for the Thursday night game. I need you guys to talk me out of it. If you think so, I'm ready to back Tom Brady as a home underdog on Thursday night. Now here's why it's a warm right read. It's a warm read because I don't think you should bet it yet because I think that line is going to move away. Everyone is, Everyone is ready to just move on from Tom Brady. It's done. It's over. The goat is dead. I think the money's going to come towards Baltimore. Maybe it gets to two, maybe it gets to three, one, two, and three. Those are all key numbers. Now, if it moves that way, you want to wait, but we're not on here again until after that. So I'm giving you the warm read. Now here are a couple numbers I found. First of all, talked about Baltimore's passing. It's down lately. Baltimore's passing defense has been bad all year. So that's a good spot for Tom Brady to go out and get back on track, get his guys the ball. So I do think they're going to be able to pass on Baltimore. Here's a couple ATS crazy numbers for you. First one, Brady is a home underdog. Has only happened five times his entire career. 
He's four and one against the spread, covering by 14 points a game. And he's won the last four in a row outright as a home underdog. So that's one. Second one is this. This blew my mind. Tom Brady, after he failed to cover by 14 or more points. So whatever the line is, at least 14 the other way. That clearly happened today. In games after that, in his career, 22 and three against the spread. 22 and three. That's ATS. That's not straight up. 88% of the time when Brady's team gets embarrassed, basically, when they fail to even show up for a game next week, 80% of the time they cover by 10 and a half points a game. They have won and covered 13 in a row in that spot. Here's an example. This is a hard one for me. Last December, the Bucs laid the egg in the New Orleans. They lost to the Saints 9-0. We remember that one, right? Because it cost me our cost us our Brady MVP tickets. And I was like, we're done. Brady's done. It's over. Dude could not hit a receiver on the field. We all thought it was done. We've all done this with Brady like 10 times now. They came out the next week, 32 to 6. They did just fine and still, you know, made a push to the, for the playoffs after that. So Brady's done when he says he's done. I'm ready for Thursday night. It's a warm read. Wait for the better line. Am I absolutely crazy? So you guys talk me out of this one. Uh, I, I will not because I love Tom. Uh, historically, my fandom for Tom is high. But, you know, the w- simple way to look at it, too. The short week might be the best thing for this team. Yeah. Like, Dump this tape out yep. and just go play again. Then again, it's a good team, though. I wish it was someone from their division. They were playing. <laughs> they're playing Lamar Jackson. That would be or my even team. better. Or even better, you just wait till they trail by ten, and then you live bet the Buccaneers because even today the, the Ravens almost coughed it up. So uh, that's, that's true. Kind of the, maybe one of the angles that I would. Well, that's that, that is part of the warm read also. Is if you want, if you can wait and bet it live, the Ravens historically are an awesome first half team. So there's a good chance that you get an even better line if you want to do it live. So. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for Tampa Bay, and I'm willing to give Tommy another chance. If it doesn't happen here, I might have to be out for good, but we'll see. The The numbers are good. I think before today's games began, Tampa was a three-point favorite for this game Thursday night. So that shows how much it's flipped based on that performance today. We'll see how that goes. All right, everybody, I want to remind you what else we have coming up uh, over at the Action Network. Heads up to our baseball listeners. Well, uh, we have a World Series now. We have the Astros and the Phillies. So no payoff pitch uh, on Monday. So that you should know. But uh, we will have payoff pitch to break down the World Series later this week. So be sure to join us. Action Network's baseball betting podcast payoff pitch through the World Series. Of course, we'll get there later in the week. Um, check that out. Also, NBA regular season underway. If you're looking to bet the NBA, check out Action Network's NBA betting podcast, Buckets. Episodes dropping every weekday. Stay caught up with every angle our NBA betting experts are on. You can listen to Buckets and Payoff Pitch wherever you get your podcast, just like that. Hit subscribe. Please rate and review as well. We appreciate it. For Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to our weekly recap episode of the NFL here on the Action Network podcast. We'll join you again later in the week for week eight. Best bets. See you later.